Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or we'll call 13 21 91. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. McDonald Dippin' Woody eased it to the front. Ham in the corner from the right to the left. Through the middle. And passed the way of Wills, who got it from Canterbury and gave it to Elliot. The goal front is his. And Elliot kicks his first. Or oh, Hurley's in awful trouble. trouble. He's, He's clutching at his shoulder and writhing in pain on the ground. The ball's just to the side where it's going to be balled up. It's the story here. Michael Hurley is in big trouble. We know he's had massive shoulder problems. Wrong side for a right footer, but perfectly executed by the talented Jamie Elliott, who kicks his second. It's a frenzy down there. Collingwood back in front. Guides it up to the 50 where McKernan presents. He wheels on the right boot. Unloads at the goal front. Yes! Oh. That's a super kick. Now he goes to two and one against Elliott. Elliott made the contest. The crummer is Thomas. He got it. And passes to McKenna as time expires. Collingwood take a place in the top four provisionally. And now they'll barrack against everybody else for the weekend. They see off the Bombers by 11. There's a bit of a spot now. You know, we, we've looked after our end of the bargain, I suppose, and you know, the home and away is done and dusted, and we've qualified. You know, our wins and percentage is locked. Um, now we see where it settles. But I was, you know, I was really encouraged by, you know, obviously the game was up for grabs, and we went and won a game that needed to be won. There's a lot of upside from that performance for us. Collingwood keeps the competition honest. It's placing the order to be decided as this final round unfolds. Can the Magpies mount a premiership challenge regardless? Or does it need the top four finish? There were some positives, yeah. Like in every game, whether you win or whether you lose, there's a lot to work on. Um, and there's always good things and there's always things to work on. So tonight's probably not too much different. We learn a lot about some of the players that got opportunities. Um, yeah, and I think it shores us up for depth uh, going forward over the next few weeks. The Bombers get a sighter ahead of an elimination final, but will Michael Hurley be there when the reinforcements arrive? Nothing seems to surprise me anymore. To have two major key people at the club go on the same day is an enormous decision by the club. I hope it's the right decision. Yeah, I've spoken to him, yeah. But we're not trying to actually get a crowbar and pull him out of GWS. I actually think that he has served his 10 matches. I actually think it's very logical. I'm quite happy to say, if we don't make finals, I'll, I won't be the coach of the football club in the near future. Oh, definitely very proud, I think, um, to play 300 games. Um, you've got to be doing something right. Maybe more than just something right, I reckon, buddy. A lively week of debate gives way to round 23 in the action with sentiment and consequence to unfold in lockstep. We'll delve deep in the crunch. We might just stray towards the ashes as well. This is the round 23 edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50 and the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melts and fill.
and 85,000 saw it at the MCG last night. And what it means is West Coast and Richmond must both win to regain their place in the top four. It's the result that the weekend needed to really spark up the possibilities. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Dermot Brereton is in Melbourne with me. Hello, Derm. Morning, Jared. How are you going? I'm bubbling at the cricket. Yeah, oh, yeah we, we've just, uh, before we came on, we are chatting about the ball and the movement, the composition of the makeup. But I thought, and I wish I didn't have to say it, I thought the Bombers were fantastic last night. Uh, some things went their way. Uh, the accuracy of their kicking in the first two and a half to three quarters was fantastic for them. I think that uh, at halftime, they'd only missed one shot. Their behinds were rushed, so it went well for them in that regard. But by and large, I thought their game style was quite uh, difficult for Collingwood to counteract and uh, very, very brave in, in an undermanned performance. Of course, Collingwood were a bit undermanned as well and some good players to come back for both teams. David King is in Hobart. Kingy, good morning. Morning, boys. I agree with you, Derm. I thought it was a fantastic clash last night. I think, uh, you know, as John Worsfold said, there's there's a lot to like about what both teams do and there's there's room for improvement. But one thing we know is the Bombers are going to be dangerous. We've got teams in the eight that have probably have got more complete packages as, as, a, as an entire game plan. They do a lot right. Maybe the Bombers aren't in that bracket. They're not as complete as those teams. But if they can bounce off half-back or defensive 50 at speed, they make you bleed. They're going to they're be a handful in that first final when that talent comes back. And Kane Corns rounds out our team. He's in Adelaide. So we've got, what, the southeast corner of the nation covered. <laughs> Hello to you, Kane. Uh, we're all covered here, Jared. Good morning. Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, Kingy and Derm both said. Terrifically entertaining game of footy. I, I think, um, you know, Collingwood clearly dangerous as well. I love what they've done sort of structurally and defensively the last month. Uh, they've conceded scores of 51, 53, 48 last week against Adelaide and just 65 last night and only four goals after quarter time. So I think defensively and structurally, Collingwood um, have got their game together. And once again, once they, if they get some talent into that forward line structure, then they'll be dangerous as well. But good performance from the Bombers as well with the players they were missing. So if they do come together, say it's the Thursday night elimination final at the beginning of the series and the reinforcements arrive for both teams and they'll be both significantly different... And we'll talk about Hurley and more as the morning unfolds. Is Dermot, will you believe that this result is in the wind? You're talking about Essendon and Collingwood yep. playing each other again. Yep. I think Essendon probably get more of a mental boost out of last night than Collingwood. Collingwood, I mean, they're going to be infinitely better when Stevenson comes back, plays out the goal square. Um, uh, Dugowie comes back, share out of the forward line and power express in the middle, uh, I think they get better. But I think Essendon believe now. Essendon really believe that they can, from where they were two weeks ago, I think it, it drastically uh, an overhaul of emotions at that club. I think they actually believe they can do some damage in weeks one and two of the final series. Kingy? So much is going to change. It's really hard to evaluate what Collingwood are going to look like forward of centre. I think that when you look at that forward 50, and I was having a look this morning, 
And Derm, you're, you're, you've been watching this closely as well. That full forward position for me is their point of difference. The smaller versions of Dugowie and, and Stevens and not your traditional uh, style full forward. We've had Elliot there the last three weeks. If you look at the first 10 rounds of the year or the first three months, first 12 rounds of the year, my check to go in Stevenson were all equal, uh, equally used as targets inside that forward 50. So equal share and, and then you get the, the problem of matching those guys up, Dermot. To have defenders that are able to, to be diligent enough to keep a handle on Stevenson and to go given their, their power and speed is a totally different mix to what we've seen in the last three weeks. I mean, they've pretty much exclusively been going to Elliot inside that, that forward 50. A little bit of my check, but it's a totally different forward line that could just light up and put a game to sleep within 15 minutes. Elliot has changed his MO as well, whereas we used to see him, you know, he'd lead up a little bit and then he'd come back with the ball and then he'd fly if there was a pack. He had a licence to fly. He doesn't fly anymore. He mm. will only... Unless he's required, he's the one person there required to actually contest the ball in the air which is not what Collingwood want. And that's why they bring Roughhead down uh, into the forward line on an occasion like last night. He is just... He's purely a lead-up player. And his game's looking good because of that. How it works in with Stevenson and Dugowie, I'm not too sure. I, I don't think you can have three specific goal-square full forwards playing out of the one out of the one forward line at one time. Some of them have to be... Two of them have to be elsewhere. One has to be on ball. One has to be on the bench or somewhere dangerous in the forward line as well. But you can't have through... I mean, they even use Varco out of the goal square last won't night. They? What's that? They, they, will, they will, though, won't they? I mean, they'll have the three of them down there... At two at most. 65% of yeah, the game. But no, they won't have two in the goal square. And I think all three do their best work when they're standing... Uh, you know, five metres out from the goal line with all the space in front of them to lead and work into. I don't... I, I just can't see that they're going to like their setup with three full forward goal square type players all in the one forward line. They've got to find a way. That's why I spoke to Nathan last night and he said they've been trying to get Elliot uh, a little bit more time further up the ground. He did it a bit last week, Derm. Yeah. Uh, Elliot against yeah. Adelaide. He, he marked a, a lot of balls outside 50. Initially, he did They're start hit close up leads, to though, aren't they? Yeah. And, yeah. And, but then he does get the space behind him. So I, I reckon you're right. I think they have been working hard on that. And, look, I think they just have to make it work and, and hope the talent comes together. They get another enough opportunities, and they will. Particularly, I think, that the big factor is is Grundy again. If these two teams oh. meet again, I mean, what, what's Bell Chambers going to do off one game since round 15 against Grundy, who is just maybe the hottest player in the game right now? So the Grundy factor and Collingwood's midfield factor, if they play again, is such a psychological boost for Collingwood. The one, the one thing I'd say, at the ground last night, and, when, and I have the liberty to, to be, you know, literally on the, on the mm. fence, on the field and watching. From ground level, when you're 25 metres away and you're watching two big ruckmen just go bang into each other at a boundary line throw-in, Grundy was superb last night. But when they are around the ground and they just bang shoulders, um, he, he actually held his own against Grundy. And I thought a lot of the times made Grundy... Uh, recoil away from him, Bell Chambers. He's such a big, big man. He doesn't have Grundy's mobility or, or the likes of the capabilities of running. But I thought he held his own 
at least in the boundary line throw-ins where he was required to clash physically with him in a shoulder-to-shoulder type exercise. Around the grounds of the issue. King, I'll get your thoughts on more. You, you can't play him now, I think, regardless of what the scan says. Now, to risk him, Stevenson, to goey in the first final, I, I don't think you can do that. Does, does that mean Roughhead goes back and they, they're a bit more structured like they were the first half of the season? If he's fit, they'll play him. Really? I've got no doubt. I'm a bit different to you. I, I think he's a critical member to their to their ability to have success this season. I, I, I think that he's their nominal centre-half back, really. What if he lasts so, half a game again in a first final? Well, we got Dugowie and Stevenson coming off nothing in, in a long time. So, so what do you do? You just don't play him at all through a final well, series? Well, I, I don't think I would. I, I don't know if you could trust him. I mean, how long has it been since he's played? It's been a six-week hammy, and he's lasted three quarters or three and a half quarters of a game. You're going to risk him in a high-octane uh, high final off another week of rest? I, I just do not That's a I philosophy, a though, Kane. There, there, there are coaches who say, if we can get 60 minutes football out of him in the final... We'll take that. And there are coaches who say, no, nah, he's got to go the full distance. Otherwise, I can't risk uh, being with a, a man down for 40 minutes of a game. Mm. I think you've got to trust your, your strength and conditioning department. I mean, that's, that's, this is where they become super critical and super important to, to what you're trying to achieve in September. I mean, if they say, you know, he's right to go, well, he's right to go. I think if they give him the tick, um, Nathan will play him. I just don't see him sitting on the sidelines for four weeks of, a, of crunch time, of, of September action. They don't have a great record, though, that, that strength and conditioning department in recent times. So well, it, it, it's, a, it it's a little leap yeah. of faith. Mm. Well, but this is why you have them, Jared. I mean, this is, the, this is what they do. This is, their, this is their weapon. You know, this is why you, you're always chasing the best. This is where the soft cap really becomes a factor for all clubs and where they invest their money and, and what expertise they've got on hand. And you know, we always talk about, you know, players coming back into your lineup and, and injuries at this time of the year. We've been talking about for six weeks. So th- this is this is where they, they shine. Mm, I'd be re- I'd just be nervous, Jared, in six weeks. They had six weeks to get him right and he couldn't get through. Now I'm not sure how cautious they were and, and we won't know that until this week because there was not, you know, there was a lot on the game, but it wasn't a final. So could he have got through? Would he have got through if it was a final? I'm not sure. But I'd be really nervous selecting him and Dugowie, and not as much Stevenson, because I don't think there's any issues with his body, but three players severely underdone for a big final. But, but that's just my thought. With, with that, Jared, I don't think you can have them make their, do their job and then turn around and say, I don't trust you. I don't trust your decision. Mm. Yeah, so last time they put him out there, he didn't get through the game. Yeah. That's last night. Yeah. So next time they put him out there, he's going to get through the game? It doesn't... I know. So he, they didn't play him in the final series last year for the reason that they didn't know whether he could get through it. But then you're employing somebody to not mm. take their advice. Um, yeah, I think once you, once recurrence follows recurrence... Yeah. I don't know. Do they even put him oh, for Oh, yeah, you have little faith, Jared. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he walked off the ground last night with hamstring, he says, awareness. Yeah. So let's wait and see what the scans say. What awareness means. Could just <laughs> At be. what level? Yeah, it could just yeah. be a, a bleed. It might, it might cost him a week. It might cost him two. But I think he's such an important member of this lineup, Jerry. It's a gamble you probably have to take. Mm. And what about Hurley's? Uh, if Hurley to the sublux of the shoulder, we wait to find out. If he wasn't to be there for us, and how profound would that be? Well, I think well, Derm, uh, have you had one of these, Derm? Mm. You've had uh, every injury known to man. Generally, yeah. have you had this one? Yeah. Well, how 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 bad is this to carry through a final series? Can you carry it? Or uh, I yeah. think you can. Uh, 
as once again, I'm not a doctor, but you can deaden them. Mm. Yep. You can you can play with it. It's like anything. If the level of, of if, uh, the extent of the injury is too bad, you can't get through. But if it is that sublux and the injury is uh, existing, you can deaden it to a point whereby you can play and you're structurally not sound and you're open to it again, but you can play with it. It's all in the margins at this time of year. We have coming up Taylor Adams from the Pies and Marty Gleeson from the Bombers to give us a flavour of last night. And then we'll broaden out the discussion. The full body of work put forward by Collingwood and Essendon for the home and away. Cricket, Jerry. And we'll sneak the cricket in, Dermot. Don't worry. (laughs) We will sneak the cricket in. Uh, Coming up after the break, Taylor Adams joins us from Collingwood. This is crunch time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50. And for Sublife at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Available 10.30am to midnight for a limited time. Excludes Mick Delivery. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Crunch Time. Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Collingwood by 11 points at the MCG last night, 15 and 7 through the home and away season. They will finish third, fourth or fifth. That is to be determined. And Taylor Adams is with us on Crunch Time. Taylor, good morning. Good morning, Jared. How are you? I'm well. Will you watch the rest of the weekend? Will you barrack heartily against West Coast and Richmond? (laughs) Um, Well, Jeremy Howe said to me last night after the game that he's going to go out and buy a a Brisbane and Hawthorne Guernsey. (laughs) And flaunt them all weekend. So, obviously, yeah, we, we, we'd love for those results to go our way. But um, what we've done is taken care of what we could control. And, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. Exciting weekend of footy coming up. What's a player's view on the difference between top four and not? So, the double chance or an elimination final? Well, I think we, we, we just want to finish as high as we possibly can and give ourselves the best opportunity to play as many finals as we can. And that means... If you finish top four, you play at least two finals. It means that you have to win an extra game if you finish outside the outside the four. To be honest, it doesn't really bother me too much. I think, um, you know, we've seen teams come from outside the four to, to win the premiership and yeah, in recent years. And, yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously we'd love to finish top four, but if it doesn't go our way, then so be it. We'll, um, we'll get ready to play whoever comes our way come first week of finals. Taylor Dermott here. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Derm. Excellent. Now, they, uh, we all knew that they were going to come out and they were a quick uh, team. Did you put up on the board how to stop their ball movement? Did you have a plan in place to, to do that? And if so, what happened first quarter? Yeah, well, we did. We obviously, we had some plans in place to just try to stop their really that fast ball movement they've got off the half-back line. Um, First quarter, we just couldn't stop it. Their their ability to, to win the ball you know, in between that 40 and 60 metres out from our goal and just bounce. You know, they scored, I think, four or five goals from, from our back 50 in that first quarter, which we've actually defended really well as a team all year. So, um, yeah, they've got some really good players. Obviously, Conor McKenna's pretty hard to defend at times. I don't even know if he knows where he's kicking it. He's fine. He's, he's over men all, all through the corridor. Um so I think what we did well is we're able to rectify that in the second quarter and you know control most of the most of the territory and we're able to win the ball at the source and get ourselves back into a position where we can win the game. 
you won the ball in the middle of the ground fairly comfortably, but around the grounds, the boundary line throw-ins and the likes, I thought Essendon were very good for the first quarter and a half of winning the ball, feeding it backwards, and then and then launching from there. Uh, did you do anything different around the, the stoppages to stop that? I think, I think there was... Um, uh, Parrish was floating back. McGrath was floating back. Um, yeah, just about five, ten metres off the off the stoppage. Yeah, that was something we spoke about at, at quarter time. Um, and it's something that teams, that most teams are trying to do nowadays. But, um, yeah, I think just our, our pressure was a little bit off um, as a midfield group. You know, we're, we've been pretty good in that area for the majority of the season. And, and they're actually really, really good at it. So, um, yeah, I think we'll probably just just beat him there, really. And the positive out of that for us was we were able to, to come out in the second quarter and sort of even it up a little bit more. And then probably over the over the last last two quarters, we were able to dominate in there. And you know, Big Bros has given us first look. And if not, he was taking the ball out of the ruck and clearing the ball himself. So yeah, that's that's something we'll definitely look look at during the week um, and review because. You know, that we knew that that was a strength of theirs. You know, their midfield's pretty talented and they're, um, you know, they can score quickly off that. Now, you're 14 days away from another uh, final series. I, I'm just going through the stats here. It says you've played 10 games this year, which means you haven't had a complete and utter body of work for the season. How was your yeah. fitness levels against your peak performances in terms of you know, your fitness measurings? How, how far are you off absolute peak fitness? Or are you there anyway? Pretty close, I think. <clears throat> yeah, the, the the rehab block that I got in was pretty substantial, um, and we were able to get some real quality in that training. And it's different to the match stuff that you you miss out on. And I, I think the, the challenging part for me has been, you know, three or four days post the game, still feeling pretty sore, and uh, my body's still adjusting to the the bangs and the and the knocks that you get playing. I can, I'm at about 90% if I had to put a figure on it, but um, we'll have a, a solid one solid session next week to sort of prime ourselves for the week after. And, yeah, the majority of this next week will be to refresh, um, you know, both physically and mentally so that we we come into our, that first final, whoever it may be against, you know, in, in great shape and we're feeling really, really confident in our bodies and really clearing our minds. Be honest with me, mate. When you come off the bench... Did you know you were going to make contact? You covered up beautifully. You went for the ball. Everything's legal. Did you know you were going to make contact? I knew there was going to be collision, and it was yeah, it was basically just a marking contest. And I don't think he knew that I was coming off the bench, Kernan. So um, yeah, I was able to protect myself a little bit. But yeah, obviously both players going for the ball. It was um, yeah, not too dissimilar to what happened with Levi and, and Matt Scharenberg, where. You know, two guys with eyes on the ball. Unfortunately, one guy gets gets knocked out, and we lose him for the rest of the game. So, part of the game. Um, yeah, obviously, I was I was glad to see that Sean was able to come back on and and continue playing. Um, and you know, was a was a major contributor to them being really close in the game. So, um, yeah, one of those things in footy that just happens. I'm half upset, Kingy. Uh, when we played, we only had about 12 interchanges a game. These guys have got 160 now. Imagine if we could use it as a weapon back in the day like that. <laughs> You're a madman. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen too often, I don't think. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah I, was, uh, I was lucky that I was on the probably the, the right end. end of that one. Yeah, well yeah. done, mate. Taylor, the biggest story you had last night was Darcy Moore and his hammy. Uh, how was he after the game? 
Yeah, he's in good spirits. Um, yeah, we're, we're still obviously don't know what exactly has transpired there. He's, the, the message that I got was that it was just tightness. Um, and, yeah, that, that'd be best-case scenario. He will obviously be assessed today and over the weekend, and we just hope for the best with us. You know, you, you just get glimpses of how dominant he can be in the back line for us. And um, he's, a, yeah, he's a really important player for us. So, yeah, all fingers across that nothing too serious um, and that we're able to see him play, it, play in the first final. If he is cleared of, of anything serious, as a leader of the footy club, would you be nervous putting him out there for a big final knowing that, you know, he couldn't get through a game last night after six weeks on the sidelines? No, it's, oh, no not at all. I, I think what our what our medical team will do is make a, a judgment call on, on whether or not he's right to go and, um, yeah, that's not, that's not my decision to make and, I would obviously love to have him out there, so they'll make that call. Um, they'll be supported by, by us as leaders and the coaching staff, and yeah, that's why they pay the big money to, to make those calls. It's, um, it's obviously really important that guys can get through games of footy, and I'm sure that, that'll you know come under under discussion when we review Darcy's injury. Important player running around in the VFL today. Will, will the boys get down and have a look at that and, and watch Jaden Stevenson um, get some match fitness up? Yeah, there's a couple of important players down there for us now. Um, obviously, Steve-O missing the last 10 games is he's really excited to get out there. He's put in a, a power of work. A lot of the, a lot of the training done by himself has been, has been done by himself during this last 10 weeks, which you know, can be really you know, tough at times. So, I imagine he's really excited to get out there and just play some footy. Um, you know, Daniel Wells is making his return, so he's much the same as Steve-O, put in a, a heap of work to get his body right, to you know, put his hand up if we need him during the finals, which is fantastic. So, you know, definitely the, um, the senior boys will be down there to support our, our VFL. They can't make the, final, the finals this year, which is a little bit disappointing, but um, we've got some... Oh, there's, there's plenty of players that are going to roll out in the in the senior team over the next month that are playing VFL today. So, um, yeah, they're really important for us. Taylor, fantastic home and away season again by the Pies. 15 wins, same as 2018. What would you say would be your point of difference as a football team that could take you all the way in 2019? It's a good question, Kenny. I think I think most teams play similar to some extent uh, nowadays in the AFL. Um, we've spoken about this internally and I don't want to give away all our secrets, but um, I think the, the, the thing that we've got in our favour is we've got a, a group that have been together now for you know, four, five, three, four, five years and We've got those relationships both on and off the field that are, are really powerful. Um, you know, there's a lot of selfish guys out there that are just willing to do whatever it takes for, for our team to, to win. And the fact that we were able to taste it last year, you know, get some experience in the finals, play over in Perth, away early, come back, play two really big finals, obviously the Giants and then Richmond, the prelim, and then some experience grand final, the grand final and the grand final week and the build-up to that. It's something that you priceless. Um, then a way you can you can have that sort of experiences to qualify for the grand final and and put yourselves in that position. So that certainly holds us in a in a, in a good place. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. The next month's going to be exciting for us and and for you know, the fans and, and our fans. So I can't wait for it. Well, what about when you have these conversations internally? Have you have you sat down and said, okay, we. We know what happened last year. We, we've learnt this from last year and, and tried to bring some of that knowledge back to this 
this next month of football? Have you had those conversations yet, or do you think you will? We haven't yet. We yeah, we haven't projected too far forward. Um, there hasn't been a lot of there hasn't been a lot of conversation about finals, and that's purely because we we just wanted to make sure we looked after what we could um, leading into last night. So, you know, it was really important for us to give our give ourselves a chance to potentially finish top four and and make sure we we got over the line against Essendon and. Yeah, we definitely we did it last year. We spoke to a lot of our our senior players that had experienced finals throughout, you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12, and um, you know, we were able to as younger players. And I, I'd never played in the final series before last year, so um, you know, as individuals asking guys at our footy club, not just players but coaches and 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 staff that had been through finals campaigns and you know how special 2010 was for the footy club and. Yeah, we'll definitely draw on the experiences of, of last year. Um, so now, obviously, it still hurts to, to think about it and, and see vision of it, but I think what it's what it is, it's, a, it's an invaluable um, it's a lesson for us that we can learn from and and make sure we can go one step further this year. Sounds like you'll count the days to get back to it. Taylor, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Taylor Adams there from the pie. So to each of you, is how much of Collingwood's premiership prospects swing on these two other games? Can they win it from fifth or do they need someone to stumble so they get into the top four? Kingy, you go first. No, I think they can they can win it from anywhere. This the top five this year. You're splitting you're splitting hairs really. The gap between the top five teams. You're getting a little bit of luck. You always need it. I really think the Darcy Moore. Uh, injury is probably the the biggest uh, impact on Collingwood right now. He's he's the guy they need at centre half back. Given the talent they're going to come up against through the final series, you know, you're talking you're talking high stakes, aren't you? If, if a centre half forward or a full forward gets out of control in a final, um, it's game over. So Darcy's Darcy's a massive part of their their next month. So I don't think it matters whether you play necessarily four games or three to win it. Um, but more the injury for me. Yeah, so um, more. So it might hinge on the scan today, Kingy. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think if they can get away with this, if it can just be, if it could just be a small bleed, derm that's that's a, a weak, maybe a, a you know even two week injury, that they'd take that. They'd sign for that right now because uh, they need him to win the big one. I'm a top four man, Jared. I think uh, history tells you it's just so hard. I think one team's done it, it since the, this new top eight format uh, have won from outside the top four. So I think they've got to win, uh, finish top four and rely on the results to go their way for the rest of this round to be a realistic premiership shot. I know the week off before the finals helps and that's an absolute bonus, particularly for Collingwood and some other sides. But uh, for me, you've got to finish top four. Yeah, I'm pretty undecided. I think the extra week before the finals is such an impediment on historical data. We have to write the new uh, scheme of things as to well, since that that the inclusion of the extra week before finals. The Bulldogs, they did it week year one. Bulldogs won it from outside the top four. So we probably need a body of work to see how long, whether there's another 30 years before another team wins it Mm. outside the top four. As long as that first week is in there, I'm not discounting anyone in the bottom four. I think Collingwood and and the Bulldogs, should they get there, are the logical two. Bulldogs are coming good. But if Collingwood, if they don't get to Goey back, I don't think they can win it. I, I think they need his power in the forward line. When everybody's playing well, you, you base it as everybody's best football. 
Now, Collingwood's best football against someone like when they get if they win and then they get to play a top four team. If Collingwood's best football plays West Coast's best football or Richmond's best football, those two other teams win unless Dugowie is in there to create havoc. Well, he expects to be. He was doing the heavy training this morning, the pace work, and as long as he gets through, he absolutely expects to be ready. Last year, what are your thoughts, Jared? What are um, your thoughts on top four versus finishing fifth? I wouldn't discount Collingwood. I think they belong in that. I'm a bit with you, King. I think there's a top five bracket. One more miss, but I won't be discounting that team. Like, if it somehow fell, if the Lions beat Richmond... Tomorrow, I'd be unfazed by that. I would still think Richmond could win it from fifth, so I'm going to hold with Collingwood there as well. They went 15-7 and seven last year, 120.4%. They've gone 15-7 and seven with 117.7%. So there's very little difference season to season. Last year, it was good enough to finish third, and this year, it's going to be three, four, or five. There's always ifs, but if I was to say to you at the end of last year, you're going to play against one of the great teams like Richmond at the MCG without Mason Cox marking the ball like he did in that preliminary final, how would that sway your thoughts? Well, that It has to be done in a different way. But I do think they have a different way. And for what you just said, Dugowie, Stevenson, Elliott, that, that's you talk point of difference, Kingy. That's mm. point of difference. Nobody else quite lines up like that. So whether that negates the absence of Cox completely, mm. it, it at least gives them... Some teams, best some teams, if you lost the second key forward, you go, nah. Yep. The Collingwood's not that team for me. Uh, the Essendon side of the equation coming up. Let's check in with Russell Barrick from Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every hey, week at unibet.com.au. Russ. G'day, Jared. G'day, fellas. Done about the footy fill-ups uh, this weekend. It's been a cricket fill-up. Uh, $4.50, the Aussies, when uh, the first ball was bowled earlier... Well, late last night, earlier last night. Now a dollar thirteen for the good guys to not only win this game but also retain the Ashes. Six dollars the Poms and a hundred and one dollars the draw, which uh, is very, very unlikely as you'd expect. Here in Sydney, we're gearing up for a big afternoon. Uh, Matha farewell, Kira Jack farewell, and Buddy's three hundred. Swans a dollar forty-eight into a dollar thirty-seven. Consequently, St Kilda out to three ten. The line now eighteen points there. North Melbourne short at $1.26. Geelong short er at $1.15. And GWS, the short est, at $1.08. So the punters have just gone bang, 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 bang today. All the shorties all up into the West Coast Eagles v Hawthorne. So it's going to be a long afternoon, but hopefully the punters have picked it right. And it's hard to see too many upsets going into today's games. Unibet.com.au is the website to go to, Jared. Download the app, gamble responsibly, and I uh, hope you have a great afternoon. Thanks, Russ. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. What, odds, the... what odds would you give me, Jason Roy, not to ever make double figures in test cricket? If he does, I'll fall off the couch that night. <laughs> I will fall off the couch. Essendon, after the break, Marty Gleeson is going to join us and will cast an eye towards their prospects in September as well. This is crunch time for Honda and for Subway. Just watching the cricket highlights here again. It's hard to turn away. Last night, Essendon, 11-point losers to Collingwood. They're going to finish 7th or 8th with a 12-10 and 10 record for the third straight season. Marty Gleeson is with us on crunch time. Marty, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me. Was there enough in last night that if you were to come up against Collingwood again in an elimination final, you would feel confident going in? Yeah, for sure. I think um, in patches last night, we definitely played how we wanted to, but there was obviously times where we didn't quite nail 
um, our game plan. So I think moving forward, um, weeks rest, get a few boys back and um, get a bit more consistent. And yeah, we'd go in confident if we came up again. How aware were you that there was clearly a conservative approach? Everybody who's been nursed through was given the week off to take a breath. How aware were you of that dynamic? Yeah, I guess there's been a few guys who have been really um, battling for the last month and have been putting their hand up every week to go out and play for us and been doing a great job. But a bit of an opportunity for them guys to sort of just uh, freshen up their bodies for a couple of weeks. So um, they've been able to do that and now they'll be sitting around to go in a couple of weeks' time. When you get your game going, Marty, when you see your ball movement just flying out of the back line... Is is that as a player you must think this is this is awesome this is actually real great fun to to be part of, but the outside world or the the noise from outside consistently saying this doesn't stack up in finals this won't win you big games in September does does that does that rock your confidence at all or you just say this this is who we are and we're going to throw this at you uh, when the time comes. Um, no, not really. Yeah, I guess for us in, in the back line, especially, we're always about defending first. But then, as soon as we got the opportunity, we use we use our strengths down there. You got Connor, Sardi, Mates, these kinds of guys. Um, get on the end of you and take them on. That's that's their real weapons for the team. So, um, I think uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, we'll be able to show everyone that yeah, it does stack up. And obviously, down the back line, we do defend first, try and win the ball back. But once we got the uh, the chance to go on the counter attack, we'll, we'll continue to do that. Last night's a really difficult game to read where you're at, but the previous week over in Perth playing against the Fremantle Dockers, that, that was a, a quality performance, particularly down back. I want to ask you specifically about Michael Hurley and what he meant to the team last week and what it means going forward if he's not there. He's, he's one player that's going to be incredibly difficult to replace. Yeah, he's spot on. Fingers crossed uh, Hurley's real good, but he was awesome last week and in the early stages of last night. He... Um, He's just a real uh, general down there, I guess. He sort of plays almost that last line and just really can uh, communicate to the boys. He's just a real steady head down there. And obviously, you know, um, he's a proven, really good backline player and he, he doesn't lose many one-on-ones. And um, when he's up and going, he obviously gives us a fair bit in offence as well. So, uh, fingers crossed, uh, he'll be all good to go in a couple of weeks' time. But if not, um, we'll have next man up and we'll hopefully be able to cover him. Who would that be? Who is next man up? Uh, well, obviously, Kyle Hooker last night uh, didn't play, so he'd come back in, I'd assume. And then Paddy Ambrose um, started for last night and slung him back. So um, I think we've got the, the men there to cover him if need be, but hopefully he gets up and we'll be good to go. Mm. I just thought uh, Tipper last night was electric in the first quarter. He, he kicked a couple of goals, seven disposals, out of contract. Um, I'm not sure you can afford to, to lose him. How disappointed would you be if he did leave uh, post-season? Yeah, it has to be very disappointing, but we're all very confident and hopeful that, that Waller will sign up soon. He was um, awesome last night, just not his offence, but his defence and pressure and his tackling, I thought, was uh, was awesome. And uh, we locked the ball in our fourth half a bit in the first quarter and get some good results. So hopefully Waller signs up soon and um, be good for us going forward. Is there something you can tell about him in the rooms prior to the game? I'm not sure at training because the difference between his best and his worst is probably as big as anyone in the competition. How do you know when he's on like he was last night? Um, no, it's sort of... You can't really gauge too much before a game with Wally. He's always pretty level-headed um, in the rooms, having a bit of a joke before the game. And um, he's always, you always feel like any time the ball goes near him or any time he runs out there, it's going to be his night. So... Um, no, Wall has been great for us this year and um, hopefully now heading into finals he can bring what he brought last night.
Just the uncertainty of your, your lineup. I think it's approximately, you know, between 15 and 20 changes to the side the last three weeks. I mean, how much of an impact will that have and, and how hard is it to get continuity on match day with those changes? Um, I don't think it's too much, to be honest. I think we've obviously trained a lot now for the last few years together as a whole group. So um, everyone sort of knows once they come in there what their role is with the VFL been playing um, great footy this year, so whenever a guy um, comes into the team, he knows what his, his role is for the team and is able to go out and execute. And then hopefully this week we'll be able to sort of settle our team and go out and um, give the finals a bit of a crack. Marty, I know a small consolation saying well done on last night. You guys didn't get the four points, but I thought, for what it's worth, I thought you guys were fantastic. Just, just to hark back to the way the game's played, if I was to look at it from, let's say, uh, I was a, a forward line coach... I'd, I'd be saying to the, the team, we need more looks. 38 inside 50s, and we almost beat the opposition who had 20 more than us. Is there a way with your your express-style footy that you can give more chances, more opportunity in terms of inside 50s? Yeah, definitely. I think for us, that was a bit of a learning out of last night. I think at times we're probably a bit slow um, coming up and setting up the ground behind the ball, which gave uh, which gave Collingwood a chance to really, once we got the ball in their forward half, they were able to sort of work out a bit too easy a few times. So yep. that's done um, for us moving forward with our offence, getting better deeper entries so that we can come up, um, set the ground up behind and really lock it in there and get a few repeat entries instead of them working out um, as they did a bit too easy at stages last night. I did notice, and, and, you know, we look at every stat and some of them mean something, some of them mean nothing, but there was one that caught my eye of all the... The run, the, the sprint efforts to attack v the sprint efforts to defend, and Essendon occupied the first eight places of sprint efforts to attack. Uh, it just said to me that there's all we're throwing it all going forward, and I love watching it. I absolutely love watching it. But as you say, the the the, the three quarter pace jog up to press up and squeeze the ball in. Do you guys talk about that, or is that am I looking at too deeply into the stats there? Yeah, I guess um, they can sort of differ a little bit, on, I guess, on the type of player and the position. But for, yeah, for us, it's just in defence. It's about getting up the ground. I guess not every time you're going to sprint up with that real pace that you do um, in attack if you've got the ball. So it's just about getting up the ground relative to your man and then connecting with each other so that when it does go in our fall line, we can lock it in there. So um, that's just a big focus for us going forward. Do you feel like you and Mason Redman are a left out? Because you're both actually quite quick, but you've got two little racehorse buggers down there that take all the limelight for, for all the run and carry. Yeah, I think Mays might get a little bit flat, a bit more than me, but no, we're start, starting kind of. They're so, they're so quick that uh, any time they get the ball, they know about it, and we're just happy to get on the end of a couple when we can. So, no, I'm happy with them getting all that credit. That's all good. Are there any internal jokes about within the team about Connor? Because sometimes, I think it's fantastic. He, he looks like... <laughs> A cricket bowler who's just bowling express but has no idea where it's going, so the opposition has no idea as well. Yeah, I, I love playing with Con on the back line. I love giving the, the ball because every time he gets it, something does happen. He just takes off, runs at the game, and he's a beautiful kick on both sides of his feet. So, um, no, he's awesome to play with down there. And, yeah, sometimes we don't really know what he's going to do with it, but <laughs> more than often than not, he turns out that something something really good happens for us. Yeah, he's fantastic to watch. I, I, I know, as I said before, a small consolation, but well played last night. I thought the Bombers were fantastic. Did you present yeah, Tom no. Jock with his jumper last night? 
Yeah. Yeah, I was able to get that on, which was great to present that to Jockey. So, no, I was stoked to be able to do that for him and um, great for him to start his journey in the AFL. Marty, great to have you with us on Crunch Time. Good luck for the finals. No worries. Thanks for having me, fellas. Cheers. And, it, and it's Toot. He, he, apparently, he prefers his proper name, which is Toot. <laughs> we got sent the note um, explaining his heritage, but to call him Tom. Because so, I asked yeah. the media manager and she told me a differing story. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, so where do we go with this? Um, where, is Marty still there? What does Marty call him? Uh, well, no, he's not. He's gone, <laughs> right? Yeah. So anyway, that's a, a mystery for another day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is okay. one of those ones. Uh, we will go further with Essendon. So 12 and 10, three years in a row after the break. Are they tracking in the right direction. We'll ponder that question. You can give us a call on the Star 21 open line, one 736 736 Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. This is Crunch Time for Honda and Subway. The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Round 23 is underway. Collingwood beat Essendon by 11 points. It was a terrific night at the footy in front of more than 85,000. So it gave a good sample of what's to come in September. And if those two were to come together in an elimination final to open the final series, well, there would be a lot to look forward to. Collingwood for now sit third. So they'll watch West Coast and they'll watch Richmond to see where their place is. Essendon seventh. They can be jumped by the Bulldogs if that transpires in Ballarat tomorrow. So every place in the eight was up for grabs coming into this round, and it is still thus now. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton, David King and Kane Corns with you on Crunch Time. We're about to take a sample of your calls to see how you're feeling on this Saturday with the final round underway. The Star 21 open line, one 736 736 Star 21, your world, endless possibilities 1300 star 21 Essendon 12 and 10 12 and 10 12 and 10 Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply. In 2017, their percentage was 106.5. They finished 7th. Last year, their percentage was 105.1. They finished 11th. This year, their percentage is 95.4, and they're going to finish 7th or 8th. Their percentage has deteriorated slightly and then substantially, but their place in the scheme of things changes Mm. on a different sort of season. Are they tracking in the right direction, Dennis? It's difficult to make that assertion that they're on an upward curve, you would look at their list and say yes, there's every possibility that they are doing so. That percentage aspect, my God, it took a hit a couple of weeks ago yep. in that dreadful loss to, to the Bulldogs. So they've taken some hits along the way. What what I would look at this team and say what isn't tracking in the upward is the, the maturity of this group to minimise damage when damage is already on the way in-game. There is nobody who, who actually... And I know the world's not full of a Luke Hodge for every team, but there's nobody who can be down back and say, all right, settle, guys. This is how we minimise the extent of this damage. Not every team has that luxury, but they haven't seemed 
to arrived at, at a point in time where you would hope it could be a Hurley or someone like that who could actually organise everybody to say, let's minimise what's going on here right now. I think their personnel is tracking in the right direction. I think Dylan Shields has been in an enormous Philip for them in the middle. He adds that explosive tear-away pace for them. I think to say that they're going to go in an upward spy, uh, upward uh, curve from here and accelerate beyond a 12-10 and 10 season is a forward outside of Stringer, outside of McKernan, who can stand up and be a 35-36 goal-plus addition to their forward line somewhere in the future. Other than that, we're, we're kind of got fingers crossed. Will they get better? Will they win a final? Been a desperately long time yep. since they mm. won a final. They needed to, either to grow one of their own or land a Tom Lynch type forward to come to the club and give them 36-plus goals per season in a forward role. Kane? Yeah, I, for me, it was win a final was a pass mark for them with the changes that they've made and the recruits that they've got. It's a shame we haven't seen them at their best with the injuries that they've had, but I guess we can't excuse them for that because there's been a lot of sides, including the team they played last night and Richmond as well and some others that have been in the same position. I, I just think they're so predictable. When they win, they win a certain way and it's the only way they win. And when they lose, they, they just they can't defend strongly enough like we've seen Collingwood do in the last four weeks. And you know, Can they defend like the Pies have done, 51, 53, 48, 65 against the last four weeks for, for Collingwood? Well, Essendon have just been, they got smashed by Port Adelaide, they got smashed by the Western Bulldogs. Then, yes, they turn it around and you think, well, hang on, last night they're good, but... I just think across the board, they got Ben Rutten there for this purpose. Has that worked yet? He's a young coach um, in, in charge of you know defending the ground and in charge of that defence. Well, I haven't seen it. And when they don't play at Marvel, I, I just don't trust them. I, I think at times they're far too easy to play against and far too easy to score against. Another eight goals off turnover last night, which is a result of the way they want to play. And I understand it's high risk, high reward, but... They need to get better defensively across the board and be able to win a different way. Jared, question for you. Danaher, that player that I was talking yeah. about, will he be will he come back as that player? And do you have any fears that he might get poached? He's exactly the type of player that Sydney would look at. Yeah, he is. Beyond Lance Franklin. So I think he'll be in Essendon he'll be at Essendon next year. I of don't course. think he'll break yeah, I would contract. say so, yeah. And so I think a, a hell of a lot swings on how next year goes for him. If he gets the proper run at it that he needs to, I would think for his own self-worth, let alone anything mm. else, then he'd probably find himself um, satisfied in his career and looking to stay. If he has another disjointed year, I could absolutely see him um, heading to Sydney. Yeah. Because at some point you need the circuit breaker. So I would think he would go into next year, go, so th- this is... I'm I'm putting myself on trial here. And he's the exact player that you're talking about. Yeah. If he comes back and he is the player that we all know that he can Literally be, two years they've yeah, gone without him. And that's a lot for a that's a lot for a young man to absorb. So mm. I don't I think a third year like that and he'd go, nah, I'm gonna miss for whatever reason, I'm gonna miss the best years of my career. 
if it works for him next year, I'm sure he'll run through it. I wonder if there's way. something in uh, Essendon's thinking, Jared, like what Melbourne did with Hogan. Now, different circumstances and all that. I know that, but just in terms of physical ability and on-field availability, not dissimilar to to Hogan at Melbourne. In fact, Hogan had probably done more uh, across the body of work. If you could. Get his massive salary off your books. Get a first-round draft pick for him inside the top 10 for Joe Danaher. Would there be something tempting Essendon to think, well, maybe we can't get this guy right and maybe his value isn't ever going to be as high as it is right now? If he has another season, as you're saying, where he plays six, seven, eight games, what's his value then? Yeah, I, I Can, could see that. Yeah, but, but, Can, but tempting, 2020 be will be the year. It, that, mm. That's the year to find that out. So mm. they'll answer their hypothetical. Both parties will answer the hypothetical mm. next year. Let's get a little sample of how you're feeling and then we'll move to the broader issues, including the departure of Ross Lyon, the future of Ken Hinckley and what lies in store today. Lance Franklin's 300th and this huge wave of sentiment at the SCG around the farewells to Premiership heroes. Peter's with us in Doreen. Hello, Peter. Hey, boys. How are you? Good, thanks, Pete. Um, I watched the game last night, and I think in the first quarter, like I'm an Essendon supporter, I think we played our, our cards pretty close to our chest. We really attacked the ball. Now, I know Adam Sard was on uh, Elliot after quarter time, but I think we've got to play to our strengths. You need Sard and McKenna on the half-back flanks to create that run and that risk. You can't afford to have Saad manning up on Dugowie or Elliott. You've got to use either um, a, a, a Gleeson or a Francis on those guys, and you've got to utilise and get these Saad and McKenna out so that we can break the lines. As for the future, um, Dan, Joe Danaher will play next year. He really hasn't played in the team alongside Jake Stringer. I'm excited that he get Joe Danaher right, Jake Stringer, and then you've got Irving Mosquito and even and Sam Draper coming up. Sam Draper's going to be a good ruckman. Um, I think we need to recruit another ruckman because I don't think there's many years left in Bell Chambers. Um, but I think our future's bright. I know we've been saying it for the last three years, but <laughs> hopefully next year's going to be the year. <laughs> good on you, Peter. Let's check in with James in Caulfield. Welcome, James. Welcome, guys. How are we? Good, James. Good, James. Hey, Derm, I was left with your call. I was going to call about a critical moment last night. I thought, um, as a neutral supporter watching the game, I, uh, you know, I was waiting for Collingwood to really just blow it out of the water. But that McGovern, that what is it? Uh, when, when, um, that mark that wasn't allowed in that Ford pocket by uh, the Mitch, Mitch Brown mark. mark. Yeah, Mitch Brown. Oh, you can't with the game up for grabs. I thought. You just can't not call that mark. So I thought he no, secured the uh, ball. Yeah, I thought he secured the ball. There was one on, at half back as well, which never really got secured. The way that the the marking uh, has been adjudicated in the last couple of years, if you stop the ball, if you secure the ball, uh, yeah, they pay it. If you take the old two, three bites of the cherry, but you never really secure and control the ball, they don't pay it. But I, I thought Mitch Brown was stiff in that forward pocket not to get awarded that because I thought he, 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 he accepted and controlled the ball before it, as a second reaction, was punched clear. And then he had his arm chopped, which is how mm. the ball came clear. Yeah. So it was at the double, um, a double, it was double jeopardy. Dave's in Melton. Welcome, Dave. G'day, boys. How you doing? Hey, Dave. Yeah, um, I think uh, playing how good Essendon was last night, we did have 11 more shots at goal than what they did. 
our problem is kicking straight. And once you put the goalie on Saab and Stevenson on McKenna and we stifle their run and side bottom, which you haven't mentioned, on a wing... I reckon that's going to get belted off the park. <laughs> Good on oh, you, Dave. Oh, so you, oh, I thought you were saying over, overplayed. Yeah, yeah uh, actual shots at goal. It was 10 goals, 5 to 10 goals, 10. You had five extra shots at goal. They were also missing a few as well, including Hooker, Zaharakis, Stringer, Fantasia, yep. Danaher, Heppel. So pro- probably in terms of injury even, but... Yeah, I, I agree that Collingwood um, are the better team and if they were to play again, I would expect the result to be um, in Collingwood's favour. Matt's on the road. Welcome, Matt. Yeah, g'day, Jerry. G'day, guys. Um, yeah, Collingwood supporter, and I agree that uh, that should have been a Mark and Mitch Brown last night. Um, just so, just interested in, uh, in your guys' thoughts on Daniel Wells. Um, I know he's, just everyone's sort of been, I haven't really heard much about him, to be honest, and the injury he copped earlier in the year, and sort of people were saying, "Oh, you know, he's be weak. You know, he's just he's um, can't get up. You know, can't get fit." But that was actually a collision injury that he had in the last game, and he was probably close to best on ground the first half before he got injured. That was when he, um, he thrust, he pounded his right knee into the ground mm-hmm. at, at Sydney, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, and he was um, he was actually playing really well up until that stage, I thought. But I noticed he's playing in the VFL today. I'm just wondering if you guys think he might be a chance to. Maybe come up in a couple of weeks. No, nah, not not for me. I just wouldn't risk it. You've got uh, too many question marks, I think. So, Stevenson, Degoe pick themselves. Then you've got the question mark over Darcy Moore, which we've debated. Side bottom. You're not going to go with Wells. As unfortunate as he is, if, he, if he'd fit and he'd had a good run at it of three, four, five weeks in the VFL and was showing signs, then yes. But to risk him in a final like that when he has shown that he just can't get his body through a game of AFL footy, particularly a final, there's no way I'd, I'd be selecting Daniel Wells. And you've, you've got side bottoms agate, whether that yeah. settles down enough. But um, the one thing <laughs> I'd say... Uh, sorry. Uh, the one thing I'd say about the call on Wells and... Gee, Kane, we're getting a snapshot on you of of your opinion. Well, I just think the <laughs> on, finals on injured do. People. You, you, well, you know it better than me. It's finals. It's different. It's just so much on the line. I just I can't take risks for guys that you can't trust with their bodies for finals. Yeah. You, you take a couple. I mean, Clarko took a risk with Cyril for a grand final, and that paid off. But you know, one or two maybe. But to to risk three, four, five guys mm-hmm. who you're uncertain about for a final when so much on the line, I just wouldn't do it. I reckon Nathan likes Wells's pure ability. We all do. Yeah, yeah. He, I, but I reckon he likes it, and it's one of those ones which he will weigh up. Remember, Sheedy said once. Oh, he said once about one of his grand final players. I picked him to play 40 minutes only. Mm. It was Mercury in a grand final. The grand final they lost to Brisbane. He said, I picked him to play 40 minutes. Nathan Buckley, because of the interchange now and and how there's 80 per team, he might pick Wells to play 40 to 60 minutes of football. He just might do that. Mm. I hear the insincerity in your... "Mm." And it's fine. And Bucks will have a better idea of his players than me. And high-risk, high-reward, I get that. But um, I'd be be very surprised. Uh One more call. David is in Townsville. Hello, David. Morning, boys. Uh, Love all your work. Big fan of Durham. But anyway, um, with the mark for Mitch Brown as well. Uh, You were just saying, Jared, about Denaher maybe breaking the circuit with his injury. We know that people are chasing Darcy more like the Bulldogs. 
does the same thing apply to him? I reckon that's a really interesting discussion. If So the caveat on this is, say he doesn't get back for the final series two years running and the Bulldogs come with big money and a great offer to Collingwood, do you contemplate it? So that's the, uh, and I've sit the proviso on that he misses a second final series in a row. If he gets back and he plays the role that Kingy says, then the answer is no on that front. But if he doesn't and he pro- he's shown himself to be an unreliable commodity across two years, do you then entertain it? it, it, it well, the other thing we don't know and nobody knows un- unless you're in the room, the natural CPI on their salary cap, the 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 creep. Of you know five to ten percent right. increase on everyone's help them pay Grundy. Yeah, so on everyone else's increases as well. And yep. there's some good players there. How squeezed are they mm. in 2020, 2021, Yep, it's a really interesting question. Yeah, uh, and it's it's unanswerable for the time being. Question dope. Well done. Good stuff. Mm. All right, let's broaden out here a little bit. David Kosh at Adelaide Airport yesterday with. The future of Ken Hinckley seeming to become more unclear all the time. If you don't make finals, is his position safe? Not even considering it. So he will coach next year? Uh, not even considering it. We're fo- purely focused on playing finals. So that, Simple as that. So when you say you're not considering, do you mean you, you might not discuss what happens in 2020 with Ken? Um, no, we've got a big agenda today. It is making sure that we make finals. Focus on footy. Do the best thing we can for our members and fans. That's the important thing for us. Got to get your priorities right. Was focus on footy the ill-fated challenge at Richmond? <laughs> um, it was Kane, too. Do you yeah. do you worry that Port is about to flinch rather than stay the course on the strategy that they said for the, set for themselves? I do. Uh, unconvincing as well from Koshy. I, I worry about Koshy, um, to, to be honest, Jared, And the overwhelming feeling is that there is... So there's a, there's the board, but there's also a subcommittee at Port Adelaide with names such as Dom Cassisi, Gavin Wanganeen, Darren Cale, Keith Thomas, Chris Davies. They sit on a... I forget the name of the, of the group, but it is a, a footy-focused group. And the feeling from this group is starting to swing away from Ken. Now, how much influence they have... I, I don't know. I'd be bitterly disappointed if they made a move on Ken um, prior to this time next year because it, it is set up for them to improve next year. And um, I get the feeling with the way that he has put himself in front of the team, this is Ken Hinckley, knowing that he has a trigger that must see him play finals this year or next year to see 2021, it was incredibly selfless to move the players he moved on last year. We all know the names, Wingard and Pollock, and Pittard, and then furthermore to play three young guys in basically every game this year. I mean, who, which coach has done that when they're coaching for their lives? And we see Brett Ratton, he plays Jack Stephen, who's probably you know five, eight kilograms overweight because he wants to win, because he wants to get the job. Well, Ken hasn't done that. He's put the team ahead of himself. So I'm, I'm not confident, and I'm even less confident hearing Koshy just quickly answer those doorstop questions as he arrived in Adelaide yesterday. It would be the wrong thing to do by Ken Hinckley to remove him at the end of this year, and I'd be incredibly disappointed if they did that. But to answer your question, I'm not confident they won't. I think the mantra in the modern game with the AFL the way it is at the moment, it's all about making finals. Oh. That's so shallow, mm. I think, given the decisions, Dermot, that they made between seasons. This year wasn't 
all about making finals. They made that decision in their footy department and it was ratified by the board. And, and I'm going to maintain all the way through, they are exactly where they should be. And next year is when some of it goes on trial. In, in terms of when you say exactly where they should so be, they in terms of their list to go forwards, yep. So they were 12 10 last year. Yep. I reckon their best possible result on the decisions that they made this year was 11 11. So you reckon and they're I over? Reckon, I reckon there themselves? was a risk of 8 14 with the decisions that they made mm. and the youth that they brought in. Yeah. So I, I, this, this season is a pass. Because of the decisions that they made, eyes wide open. What, what, what we look at, you, that, you've got go, a good feel for these types of things, the off-field politics. What do you feel? I know it's been a big hot topic for you and um, Robbo on 360 this week, and you both are getting uneasy about this. How yeah, you, I, I would like to. I would like to hear the club back, Ken. And the longer that that's, that, that that doesn't happen, um. The the landscape now is the more worried, the more uneasy I feel about it. Is he has two years to run on a contract? There's a trigger, which affects 2021, but not 2020. Mm. I, I would like to hear them go. Hey, hey, Ken Hinckley's doing a great job. Yeah, he's ridden their ears off all year. He hasn't sit sat still. He hasn't used the excuse of development. He's manipulated the team at every turn to try to get the best possible result. There have been really promising signs and moments that have disappointed us all. But the course that we chose is the course that Ken has stuck to rigidly against his own best interests, and we think he's doing a great job for us. And we'll yeah. ultimately we will get to find out next year and the year after what that what that blooms into. Kane, yeah, can I yeah. ask you, with, in respect to the, the philosophy that some clubs purely exist in the competition to win grand finals, everything they do is about building to win a grand final. Are Port Adelaide a team which almost exist to get better each year and get better and better and hopefully someday they'll be better than everybody else, which I don't think is a great philosophy. I, I believe you should build a list to win a grand final. When you're recruiting a player to your club in your list to build, you should be able to look at him and say, is he the type of player who walks up three steps, bows his head, and someone puts a premiership medallion over his head? Mm, no, Some players you look at and you say, he's not going to do it. It's a, a Port Adelaide that type of club? Uh, well, their mantra, and it's it's everywhere you walk through the club, is we exist to win premierships. So the players walk into the lecture theatre, and that's the first sign they see in big, bold letters. It's in the boardroom. The board sit there, and it's we exist to win premierships. But yeah. I think that the old school Port Adelaide history, which is, you know, they are the most successful footy club in, in Australia, it hurts them because you've still got these... Figures and Akoshi was a big Port Adelaide man growing up. But think, you just turn up like they did in 1980 and 1990 and win a flag in the sample. It's not that. It's never been harder to win a premiership in an 18 team competition. So I believe the old school sample mentality of turning up and winning flags, and we got eight, we got nine time premiership players watching the club every week and being critical, kills the club. It absolutely kills it because it's unrealistic. Um, and, and it only sets them back. The other point I've got as well is financially there's some real issues there. So I get that's putting the pressure on David Kosh, and if they lose another 3,000 members because they're disgruntled, that's a million bucks to them. Um, it's a big year, 150 years next year. 
They're not even paying the full amount in the salary cap. There's about a, a really good midfielder sitting on the table, about six, seven hundred grand that they're not paying in the salary cap, which I'd be filthy about if I was Ken Hinckley coaching for my life. So they got issues off the field, which is putting pressure on the field. Kingy? That's all that being said, Kane, they can't worry about that as a as a, as a football club, as no. an outfit of of 22 that turn up week to week. They've been awful this year with their consistency. Mm. And that can come with young teams, I understand that. But those younger players are not being asked to carry the can at the moment. The senior core have got to drive the club week to week. They've got to, they've got to turn up and play eight, eight out of ten football every week, and they haven't done that. Mm. So I think it's been a very disappointing year. And you can spin it which way you like. Are we tracking towards winning a flag? Well, every club's going to say that. I mean, if they miss the finals, it's a really disappointing season. And, and I disagree with you fractionally, Jared, because last, if you go back 18 months ago, they traded players in. We, we were being told, this is them. They're, they're arriving. Go and get Motlop. Go and get Watts. We, got, we just need a bit of class around yeah, the edges. Rockliffe. But they, they accepted going for that the... that didn't work, didn't they? Well, and have they said that? Well, that, that's, but isn't that what they did? So having topped up, they went, well, that didn't work. And they shuttle off experienced top-end players and bring in, and they hit the draft hard. So their actions goes, say that didn't work. So how many goes of that do you get, Jared, as a coach? In your, in your sixth, that would have been at the end of his sixth year. Yeah, so I think you, you, you can say, sorry, take guys, the one top up, we didn't win the flag, but instead of belligerently going, we'll win the flag next year, mm. you go, hey, 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 that's that's not it. I guess the only thing they would say to that is that it, they didn't give up a lot to get them. Uh, I know it's a message that it sends, but a lot of those were free agents. So they play. Free, they, they, they play. play. They, well, they, they, haven't they, this, they take games. They haven't this they take year. Games off. Motlop's hey. running around in the sandfall. Um, Watts is injured and he's been in the sandfall. Rockliffe's played sandfall footy. Lice, it's been... In, in the sample, so you could argue that he has played Laddams in front of Lice at the last. But that's two my weeks. point, Kane. Yeah. That, that, this is exactly my point. That you make you, the biggest thing in football is knowing where you're at. Are we are we going to be a contender for top four? Are we, are we a premiership chance? Are we still building this list that Derm just touched on there to win a premiership? Are we rebuilding? Where are you on the on the scale of things? And when you get it wrong, it costs you another block in the middle of the, of the table. They got it wrong. And you can't just say, oh, yeah, no, we made a blue there. Sorry, we won't play those guys next year. You set your club back for two or three years. Then they've had to go back to the kids. And to go back to the kids, you've got to trade out someone like Chad Wingard, who the previous season you said, this is the guy that's going to drive the football club to the promised land. So I, I, I disagree. I think that um, at some point, Ken will pay a price for that. Um, I, I don't think you can just say, oh, no, it all looks good now. It's been there since two, the start of 2013. It's a long time without some success. They've won, they've, what have they won? They've, they've been involved in the finals once in the last, what, five years? Mm. So, so, David, I, are you I saying think... October, November, this year again, they're going to go for three kids with three high-ish draft choices like they did for the likes of Dersma, Connor Rosie, again this season? Take that question on notice, Kingy. We'll come back after the break. Kane, great to have you as part of it. See you next week. Thank you, All right, so we'll continue the crunch for Honda and Subway next. The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Round 23. It ends for 10 here. 
And there's so much still up for grabs. The first to go at the SCG is laced with sentiments and meaning as Lance Franklin plays game 300. Jared McVeigh farewells the game alongside Kieran Jack. And there's a couple of others in the stands from Premiership gone by. That'll be given the fond farewell. And into that environment goes Brett Ratton as the caretaker coach of St Kilda to put the last brick in the wall of his resume and see if he can land that job for good. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton and David King with you on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. We're in the conversation around the coaching landscape, the attitudes of boards. Uh, Dermot, you've sat on them. Kingy, it's a really interesting phase is the payment weighing up the short-term pain of doing it versus altering the fortunes of your club. At Fremantle, they declared, this is required. We're prepared to do it no matter the cost. Is, have we have we crossed the lexicon, do you think, this year with four gone already and probably more to go? Absolutely, we have. It, there's been a, a, a radical shift in the way boards um, are analysing their coaching performances, whether it be the individual coach or, or the group. You know, once upon a time, wins and losses. It was a, it was a, you know, wins and losses industry. And if you could stack up the wins, you kept your job. Well, that's changed because what we learned from Alan Richardson is basically he was sacked on last year's performance, having had a pretty good season this year of coaching, despite not being in the eight. And we're now seeing with Ross Lyon the Fremantle decision that he's potentially been sacked because of what will happen next year. We can't get our tipping right week to week. Yet we're working out where they're going to finish next year. So I think the boards now have become super aggressive. They know that the short-term cost of, of call it call it $700,000 or $800,000 for Brad Scott for the Kangaroos this year, they were prepared to just put a line through that, that contract and move forward because there was a greater cost with sponsorship and members and, and just appeasing the fans uh, and to be seen to be doing something to correct the football club. So... I think it's shifted, Dermot, and I think it's a really dangerous space at the moment uh, trying to guess or trying to forecast where your club is going because we, we just talked about Port Adelaide, the up-and-down nature of the, their football club over the last five or six years, not just this year, really. You know, wh- how do you project as a board where you're at and where you're going? Boards seemingly have become more volatile with their their ap- uh, appointments and holding true to to those appointments to the end of term. Uh, they've always liked to, at the coach's behest, overlap. And it used to be, during the final season, there used to be speculation, will they re-sign him? It then went to a season and a half, or almost two seasons out, will you re-sign that coach? And it was the almost the coaching fraternity that actually forced that vernacular within the game. Now we're seeing... The, as I say, the, almost a volatile situation where the boards are saying, no, we're not beholden to that. And you can force us into that corner, but we can dismiss you. It's our club. We are elected by the, the constituents, the members, and we will make the decision which we think will take us to Premiership glory quicker than otherwise, should we just say, we're in a contract, we have to keep going the same way. There's a little bit of that... Same, same, same. You'll get the same result. We are not prepared to go the same way. And then you've got Nat Fife, who sort of gives voice to, well, it, it would want to be the right decision. Mm. Is, you, you, better get, you better get these decisions right. It's fine to seize control of your footy club and and go, this is required. And, well, and this what is, you've got there... you need to be right. ...is a very strong personality footballer 
who's played his best football under a coach. Now, you can go back and I guarantee you there'll be coaches, uh, players everywhere, and they might have been coached by someone great, the best coach of all, you know, that they've ever experienced right at the start of the career or right at the end of the career. But the person, the coach they will say is the best coach they've had is the one that corresponds with their years between 24 and 27 because that's when they play their best football. That's when the coach values them the most. And you tend to think, well, I played my best footy under that coach. He must be the best coach. If you want to talk about coaches, though, Derm, the the actual coach, if you go back through history and had a look at this during the week, in the first five years of coaching is generally when the, the new arrived coach will win a premiership or make a grand yeah, final. Yeah, remember you, you can, so, showing this, yeah. Yeah, and you can talk about you can talk about all of them. You go through, you know, recently we've had Beveridge, Simpson, Longmire, uh, Clarkson won one in his fourth year. All the great coaches hit the ground running and in their, their ideas and their new message it impacted that new club instantly. You know where you're at with that coach after five years. So I don't, I think... We've got to have a look at the extending of, of coaching contracts past that five years if they haven't delivered, if they haven't had success. Damien Harwick won one his eighth year. He was the exception of and of the uh, of the, the current group. Bomber Thompson was another one. Um, players just throwing up in, in the background here. And I think when you when you look at the coaches that are, are going to six, seven, eight, nine years, and you talk about Brad Scott, you talk about Ken Hinckley, are they the ones that are going to bring a premiership? And I think we've got to get used to this. As, as an AFL uh, body, and you call it fans and media and, and players and coaches, maybe they've just got to keep moving around. Maybe He's, we've got to accept that Clarkson can coach three or four clubs in the next 10, 12 years. Is this the new path? Or is it? does it just happen to be the situation as it has yeah. unfolded? Because right now... The, pl- the, the person you, who you said happened in, what, in his eighth year with Hardwick... Uh, he, I won't say uh, lost, but he seemingly was battling away with the Tigers for the first four or five, yet his team is probably the best organised team out of the the entire league at this point in time in terms of organised uh, on-field personnel, how they play with each other. Well, we thought the new norm was Hardwick, which led to Buckley. Mm. Uh, and then this year has shattered that four down and it doesn't feel like um, that's the end here. So it, you're on, I guess that says you're only ever in a phase. Mm. Well, it's not, it's not just a recent thing, though, Jerry. I think if you go through any coaching manual or just look at history, even the best coaches we've had hit success in the first five years. I, I think it'll be something that... You know, we're talking about boards here. It'll be something that boards look at. Now, why would... You, why would this coach's message be any different or any better for us in the seventh year than what it was when he when he first walked in. Yeah, when so he first walked you, in, you, bang, have, you have to do the work, though, don't you? So Richmond and Collingwood both did the work. So I guess the, my question with Port Adelaide is, are they doing the work or are they going to make an emotional decision because we make finals? No, I don't know about that. I mean, Collingwood, did Nathan Buckley have to do the walk? No, work no, the, the, board, the board did the work to work out whether is this broken or is this temporary? So Brendan Gale followed the... Brian Cook example, and then who was the board member who got moved in as the temporary chief executive of Collingwood? Peter Murphy, was it? Uh, yeah, so he does the review and presents it and go, this part of it is broken, but this isn't. 
The answer mm. isn't to sack the coach. So Brian Cook's example from 2006 to seven instructs Brendan Gale, which instructs Collingwood, is I get the emotional decision to sack the coach on a whim was we're not winning flags, we're not making finals. But yet the, the recent example was do the work, find out what's wrong and then act from there. Yeah, I, which I agree with 100%. But what we do know is that is that they will strike in the first five years. That That's, I think, the crux of it all. I mean, that, that then brings you to a conversation about, um, you know, where to, where to with these coaches that, have, that are on a knife's edge. I mean, we're going to end up talking in the next week or so about Ken Hinckley, about Don Pike, about Leon Cameron, uh, those guys. If, if Are they arriving there in that five-year window? If not, what, do you, do you tie them to another three-year deal? This is where they're getting in, in trouble, clubs, and then end up having to pay out their coach. So we're going to run out their soft cap. We're going to run out of coaches in that scenario, so we refuse to give <laughs> coaches who haven't won flags a second go... And now no, we're going to shuttle them off they, after five they, years. They, they if you can guarantee me a flag in the first five years, Kingy, I'm going to throw my hat in the yeah. ring next week. Except no, they don't, they no don't go to another anything. club. Uh, what's that? Other clubs don't hire them. <laughs> no, well, that, I, think that'll shi- I think that'll change. I think yeah. that'll shift. So that I, I honestly think well. that'll shift. I mean, you look at the coaches who have had success, and I'll say it again, Simpson, Simpson Beveridge, Scott won one, one, one in his first year, Longmire, second year premiership, three grand finals, first six years. Don Pike went to a grand final in his second year. Haven't seen it since. Um, the history's there. Kevin Sheedy, two flags in his first five years. Mick Mulhouse, two flags in his first five years. So this is not a new phenomenon. Mm. It's all about list, though. You, you can be one of those excellent coaches who's capable of winning those, but if you arrive somewhere where the list ain't, ain't great, it's not happening. No, you don't have to have a day one, but... Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You'll yeah. get to see what that coach can offer, whether it's rebuilding the list at the start to, to give them an opportunity year four, year five. I mean, how, how many years do you need a coach to be rebuilding for? If it's taking longer than five years, something's gone wrong. Do you think Ross Lyon will coach again, King? I reckon it's a certainty. Yeah, I'm in that camp. Dermot? Uh, yeah, I reckon he'll coach again. In I what... don't think it'll be at St Kilda, though. No, no. In what, in what circumstances? So... And doesn't have to be next year. It can easily be the year after. What's what? What sort of club is looking at Ross Lyon in your eyes, King? Well, that's a difficult one to answer. Um, Not necessarily I, I think, the specific club, mm, but no, I think that there'll be a list that's underperforming with what we all consider to be a talented list. Okay, can I throw this at you, Kingy? Would Melbourne's yeah. fortunes be better next year? With Simon Goodwin coaching or Ross Lyon? Oh, if they're coaching for your life, if your life depended on results next year and you said to me you can have one of these two guys coaching next year, Ross Lyon or Simon Goodwin, I'm taking Ross Lyon because I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen him correct the club, bring standards, um, raise the bar with standards, attach players to, to become the driving force, empower them for every decision... And deliver a game plan while some don't don't like it, it. It wins home and away games. It hasn't won the ultimate, but gee, it's been it's been proven that he gets he he does wring the rag uh, dry on on these guys on the players, and maybe that's got a lifespan. But in a, in a one-off block term, and I think you'd be the same. If 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 I said the same question back to you next year, you know your livelihood depends on either of those two guys coaching Melbourne for your for your income. Who would you choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. The, the, what makes it interesting is that Melbourne 
are looking at their football department and saying something's wrong. And they, they've gone for Alan Richardson, who's proven over the journey to be a very good person within your football department uh, in the role that they've assigned him to. Now, he was very good at Port Adelaide in that regard. So I think they're looking at their list of coaches, coaches in that department and want to change, want to which, do stuff. I don't think it's going to be a senior coach, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I think they are looking what more can we get out of our coaching area. Which lists do you think right now are more talented than what they're delivering? Mm. <laughs> any, any I mean, list, th yeah. that's the question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which, well, so for the I talent they would... are, they're the, they're the lowest performers. So look around the look around the competition now. There's teams that are going to miss the eight that shouldn't be missing the eight on talent. You're going to throw Melbourne in there. You're going to throw Port Adelaide. You're going to throw the Adelaide Football Club in there. Should GWS be performing better? Yeah, That's a discussion. yeah, but but yeah, yeah. I, I would say Melbourne are the the the, the winners in that in that in that uh, in that list for the talent they have and the performance they've given us this year. They are clear outright winners. Right, so we're deep into it on crunch time. We're in the crunch. There are no late changes in either of the two afternoon games, Sydney and St Kilda, North Melbourne and Melbourne. We'll take an eye towards those and more after the break. The 40 Winks series about sleep ladder update. Save up to 50% on the 40 Winks back care range. Collingwood sit third. 60 points, 117.7. West Coast and Richmond both need to win to reclaim their place in the top four. Essendon sits seventh. The Bulldogs can go past them if they are successful in Ballarat tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot that can still shake out on this ladder as round 23 unfolds. Bed match takes the confusion out of buying a bed only at 40 winks. More with Dermot and Kingy after the break. Oh, hang on, Dermot. Yeah, I rely on you for these things. Yeah. You don't cross the lexicon. You cross the Rubicon. Come on. The <laughs> Romans went across the Rubicon. More after the break. <laughs> If you are heading to the footy this weekend, don't forget to grab the AFL record. Still just $5 thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. And if you do, there's a, a splendid feature on Lance Franklin. So you did the television version, Dermot, on Thursday night, Thursday counting night. down the 23 great moments. And in print, they've come up with 13 of them. <laughs> 13 of them. 300 is the big milestone in the game, yeah. so it does give us a moment to to place Franklin in context yeah. right now. Uh, I, th I think he's quite possibly the best athlete I've seen play football. Uh, he's going to go down. He's an automatic walk-up start. You know, I think the qualification is three years into the Hall of Fame. Five now. but Is yep. it five, is yep. it? When did it come, become five? Uh, two years ago, I reckon. Ah, details. <laughs> yeah, make it three for him. We know he's getting there. Um... It'll be interesting where he stands because he's a, as a key forward, he's, he's a man that very few can get a handle on, a read on. And he, what staggers me still is the number one criteria for a key forward is to contest Mark the ball. And that's his weakest yes. asset. That is his, that's his, that's his shortcoming. So how do you get a read on a, a key forward that, that bases his game around play on principles, field kicking, power, running? He's got everything except for the ability to pack mark. 
And yet he could be one of the greatest yeah. key forwards we've ever seen. Nobody plays the game like him, yeah. and that's in its own way the wording around legend. It's why in 15 years' time he'll not only be in the Hall of Fame, he'll be upgraded to a legend yeah. because nobody else played the game like him. No, he's, he's blown everything out of the water in terms of technique and... He's truly, truly a draw card. If I, and I'm not raining on the parade, but if you went to Sydney in 2012 and said, you're getting Lance Franklin, uh, and you would accept, you're putting him on a nine-year contract, what's the payoff in terms of premierships? They would have said, off oh, two. There's no premiership payoff with Lance and Sydney yet. But I reckon they're pretty happy. Uh, he, his ability to give them visibility in a very serious marketplace, he gives them more back pages than anyone has ever done at the history of that club, and that includes the great plugger as well. He is a draw card of unlimited power. Yeah, he's, he is unique. Kingy? I, I was surprised to go back and look through some of his numbers, Dermot. His numbers are ridiculous. Freakish. He's... He's kicked 940 goals, but only, only twice in his 300-game career has he kicked 10 or more. 10 against Carlton in 2017 and the, the big 13 that Hutto <laughs> loves to uh, recall. He doesn't, and it was a fantastic day against the Kangas down here in Tassie. But um, that surprised me. For a guy who's played high-level uh, football week in, week out, that he's only kicked a bag of 10 twice. I think Dunstall and, and Lockett did it. Two dozen times minimum. Yeah. Um, there's, there's that crazy period in the record books where it happens all the time, and then in the last decade it's happened 11 times. Yeah. We, we used to get staggered at Hawthorne. He'd come away with, you know, four or five goals, and you think, oh, dominant. And you, But then when you drill into the stats, he's actually kicked four goals, six, four goals, five, four <laughs> goals, seven... The amount of the volumes of shots that he gets at the goals was staggering. He used to genuinely stagger us. And for a key forward, how much of the ball he'd get. You know, it was nothing for him to come in with 25, 27 possession game, playing specifically as a full forward in those days. I think we need to redo, wait the Brownlow count, go back and retrospectively have a look. I think in 2008, he kicked 113 goals. He got 20 Brownlow votes. And, and much to what you're saying, Derm, I, I think he averaged um, something like 20 disposals a game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sort of season is is, is the best in the comp. We, we, his, his Brownlow numbers are, are pretty... Brownlow votes are pretty low when you think of the output of the great man. Yeah, when the era turned against him, he's been the only one who's been able to put up votes. So, and, uh, so 17, 22, 16 in the last three years when there hasn't been a key forward who's yeah. done anything like that over this you know, this period where it's all turned against him. 940 goals, 675 behind. For a bloke who's actually flawed as a goal kicker as well. <laughs> yeah. can, I say, can I give a counter discussion to what you were talking about before, Derm, about having having to go there and win premierships for it to be stamped. Where would Sydney be without Lance Franklin? Oh, that's what well, I'm, I'm saying. Where would they have been? They're remarkably happy with him. No, no. What if he wasn't there? Where would they be as a footy team? What would their performances have been like the last six years? Well, you know... Well, well OK, I can answer that with an, another question. They don't go without a draw card. So who was 
who would have been the logical next choice to go to Sydney if Lance Franklin didn't exist? They would have gone for someone. They, they'd been Barry Hall. I said that it's gone Lance Franklin, Barry Hall, um, uh, Tony... Oh, well, they attempted to make um, a big tip at that person. Didn't work out for them properly. Um, and then uh, Tony Lockett before that. They will always go for the draw card, key forward. That's what that town demands. It demands a draw card. Uh, and I know it's kind of show... It's, it's kind of... It sort of flies in the face of the way they like to perceive themselves. But you know the market there needs somebody to draw... Uh, have drawing power for for the fans to attach themselves to. They'd be less, Kingy. They'd be much less without well, him. Who, who would it have been, though? Who could it have been? Well, it's, it's legitimate. Would they Nobody have gone on that? Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. A cloak or someone? Nobody on that tier. Yeah, hey, no. enjoy the afternoon in Hobart. Can you see Jordan Lewis off in style for us? Thanks, boys. David Check King, in. Dermot Burden, enjoy your Saturday. Thank you very much. I'll be finished about 11.45 tonight. This has been Crunch Time for Honda and Subway. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.